Welcome back to the Trying Again podcast, a story of miscarriage. I'm Rachel Smith. And yes, I'm back with a series two of the podcast. I've listened to your feedback and I hope that together we can get into some of the issues more. If you're new to the podcast, you are very welcome. If you want to know my story, best to go back to episodes one, two and three, because it will give you more of an idea of why I'm here talking about baby loss. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about food and dieting during and after a miscarriage or before trying again. The conversations that you will hear will be frank. You're going to need to keep your energy levels up. So having regular meals and snacks as you need them, um, ensuring that there's you know balance of nutrients, but carbohydrates primarily for energy purposes. And they may be difficult. There's a lot going on physically in the body, uh, which can lead to difference with behaviours which women use to cope with what they're going through, both the physical and the emotional process. But they are needed. The general diet for health, whether you know, um, for everybody, would be a Mediterranean diet. And luckily, that's a brilliant diet for fertility. It's a brilliant diet through pregnancy. I start this series with a mirror held to myself. The first thing I need to do before I even think about trying again is to be healthy. Baby or no baby, I need to give this as a gift to myself. I started researching this in January. It's snowing outside, the first snow of the year. Picture this, I'm at my kitchen table looking out on a blanket of icy droplets covering my garden. It's a couple of inches deep and it's settled. My garden looks peaceful in the snow. I have a diet book to my right and I'm planning this week's food so when I go shopping I'm not tempted to buy something I don't need that's damaging to my end goal. I have turned into someone that has a shopping list. My younger self would laugh at me. I've started to look into foods and pregnancy, diet and miscarriage and I have a horrible feeling I'm going to end up down a rabbit hole that's way too involved for a snowy January day. But this needs to be done. I need to be healthy with or without a baby. Top of Google on that snowy January day is the NHS website. Have a healthy diet in pregnancy. Second paragraph is the headline, there's no need to eat for two. Okay, it goes on to say, eating healthily often means changing the amounts of different foods you eat so that your diet is varied rather than cutting out on your favourites. It's a good page really, lots of do's and don'ts for healthy eating. It's not really what I need right now. I want to know how to get myself in the best possible way to host the pregnancy that might not miscarry. And yet, I know the answer is likely to be eat a healthy diet and to exercise. I mean, deep down, we all know this, right? I just kind of need more. I need a plan. On the Tommy's website, there's a page called Tips for a Healthy Pre-Pregnancy Diet. It's a useful read with a great list of do's and don'ts for food groups and the usual stay in your BMI and exercise more. It also has links to Healthy Start, which is a UK-wide scheme providing free vitamins and food vouchers to eligible women. The page has information on diet and miscarriage saying, your diet before pregnancy will affect your baby's development in the womb and their health in the future. It goes on to say, making changes now can also prevent pregnancy problems. A diet that leads to a high BMI in pregnancy has a higher risk of pregnancy problems. I'm intrigued. Could my weight have been a factor in my miscarriages, which in turn caused low emotions and then I overate and then round and round I go. Pregnancy, weight gain, miscarriage, grief, weight gain, pregnancy, weight gain, miscarriage, grief, weight gain. It's time to make some changes. And so on that snowy January day, I adopted a focus that I've not had in years. One that includes a lot more exercise, making the most of being in lockdown, and one that focuses my food choices. 
I'm doing the best I think I can. I've no real plan. I'm just merging any old bit of information I can find. Now, I need to know if I'm putting my energy into the right areas. For this, I need experts. In the form of Anita Beckwith. I'm Anita Beckwith. I'm a uh, dietitian. I specialise in diabetes um, and hormone health and fertility. Ruth Harvey. I'm Ruth Harvey. I'm dietitian and owner of Pod and Pea Nutrition and I specialise in maternity nutrition. And Kate Marsh. I'm Kate Marsh and I'm the midwifery manager at Tommy's, the charity. Going through loss of the pregnancy is a hugely demanding process, both physically and emotionally, and it affects people in different ways. And from an emotional point of view, many people who are going through a loss will react in different ways and have different ways of coping. And for some people, that's through food. mechanism is that comfort eating, looking at your food, then it definitely can have an impact on your diet and subsequent on your weight and your health in the long term as well and um, but physically you know obviously your body is going through so much and um, you potentially have some blood loss uh, which impacts on uh, your iron levels and uh, how you're feeling and your exhaustion as well and you're in pain quite a lot of the time you're actually going through the massage process and um, again people have different coping mechanisms with that as well so there's a lot going on physically in the body, uh, which can lead to difference with behaviours which women use to cope with what they're going through, both the physical and the emotional process. And what's the role with the nutrition at this time when your body is in a form of trauma? Your body's going to have been going through a lot of changes up until the miscarriage and you're going to have been putting a lot of nutrients into growing that baby. And then sadly, you're going to have been then recovering from both that and the miscarriage the effects of the miscarriage all at the same time so you know it's a lot there's all the different hormonal changes your body's going to have been going through a lot and as Kate said you're going to have lost possibly lost um, some blood so you may need um, increased intake of iron Um, and if your iron levels are very low you'll need to speak with your uh, GP or consultant about iron supplements but otherwise you can look iron-rich foods such as um, red meat or beans and lentils, green leafy vegetables and also you may have lost some fluids um, so keeping your fluid intake up um, and trying to sort of focus on water and um, caffeine-free sources of fluids and then you're just because of the mental effects you're going to need to keep your energy levels up. So having regular meals and snacks as you need them, um, ensuring that there's you know balance of nutrients, but carbohydrates primarily for energy purposes, um, and also then just protecting your kind of yourself physically and mentally by just ha- trying to, despite the effects of this on your emotions and everything that you're going through, trying to give your body good nutrition that will protect be protective of your mental health. What foods should you avoid? Because I know there's a lot out. If I go on Dr. Google, I can literally stop eating. Through the actual time of, you know, close to following a miscarriage, um, that you might be wanting to have sort of more comfort type foods. And that would be perfectly fine. That'd be quite a normal thing um, to to feel during that immediate time. So in that period, there wouldn't be a concern of what you're picking to comfort you. Um, one of the thoughts we would have is start starting to think about that um, in terms of starting to choose perhaps foods that are slightly more nourishing 
Um, so food that might give more nutrients than say, if you're having a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps or something like this, thinking instead of maybe having um, some porridge with honey or um, a crumpet or, you know, so like the sort of energy giving carbohydrates that Ruth just described. Um, or, um, you know, stewed fruit with custard. So you've got some fruit there, you've got some good um, vitamins and minerals from the fruit, and then you've got custard giving you dairy as well. So things that are still comforting, but are sort of replacing the role of foods that wouldn't, wouldn't give you as much nourishment. Um, but in that particular period, from, you know, the particular uh, immediate period from having a miscarriage, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a concern um, of what food you're picking. It was just longer term thinking about that. So, um, and certainly, I know we've talked about mood is thinking whether you have a counsellor, whether it's a dietitian, um, your midwife, whoever you you know, your partner, speaking to them and talking it through with them about what you're going through. Because potentially, if you're noticing that your eating behaviours are becoming a slight pattern, because we always have good intention for eating in a certain way, and if you're falling off that pattern um, or need a bit of support, then that's a key thing to start to open up, to start to think why you're eating in a certain way. And we know um, if you're going through a grieving process, you normally go through, it depends where you read it, how many stages there are in a grief process. But there's, if you're looking at a five-stage model, there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, there's depression, and then you go on to acceptance. And during those periods and stages, eating behaviours change as well. So you may find initially you might be eating quite normally to how you would have been. And then there'll be periods where, and what I normally find when I see um, clients going through miscarriage having just gone through is either people aren't eating very much or they're starting to choose um, maybe sort of more of a binge eating type behavior and maybe not eating very much in the day and then eating much more maybe in the evening period. I've put it down as avoiding traps. I ate Haribo and drank wine and I'm talking like Christmas style boxes of Haribo <laughs> to myself. No one was allowed to touch them. They were mine. And then when they ran out, I made Lee go and get me more. <laughs> it's like, I need sugar. I want Haribo and I want wine. And that was it. That was my, that was my diet for, for a while. But how would I avoid in the longer term? Because obviously I've got that. I know that's a quick fix, but how do I avoid that? How do I avoid going there in the first place? You don't really have a plan for a miscarriage happening, I guess, but maybe recognising if you went to something again, or as I said, talking whether it's your you know, partner, friend, um, looking at recognising the behaviour where maybe you're thinking, okay, if, I'm, if I want to have those things, maybe it'll be a couple of weeks, and then I'll start to switch into having something different to so the sorts of things I described previously, and maybe having a plan for recognising those symptoms. So I think a key thing is talking to people about it, and whether it's the people close to you or um, having um, having um, further support that you might need need for that um, to recognise those symptoms. But certainly, it's normal to sort of come off a behaviour. It's then, as you as you're describing, sort of uh, a lapse off a behaviour. But then it's whether you actually sort of collapse off it and go into feeling I can't return back into what I was doing before, and that sometimes needs more communication and and support. But certainly, maybe having a plan or having some of those sorts of like crumpets and things in the freezer or you know fruit and yogurts and things like that available to you to start to um have things that are convenient as well I think when you're when you're not feeling um obviously on on uh as, as top form as you want to and things are very much changed it's also having convenient things that are very quick to prepare what do you think Bruce? Um I suppose it's trying to recognize that behavior in yourself because some people mm. have 
as you say, are that way inclined that they want to eat for comfort. Some people, as Anita said, restrict to to help themselves cope mentally. So I suppose it's trying to pause and recognise that, which is really hard in the moment, Mm. but then having other things other than food to help you cope, which is very much easier said than done and maybe recognisable in hindsight. But if you know how you respond to stress, um, then maybe it's trying to, yeah, just take a moment for yourself, which you you kind of need to do in that moment anyway and whether it's you're kind of maybe journaling or your feelings or something and you just stop for a moment however that happens for you and you think okay this isn't a healthy behavior and it's not going to help me maybe deal with this situation better so then it's looking for other ways to deal with that and as I need to said talking to people or anyone whether it's professional or friend or family is a great way to cope but it's not always necessarily that easy to put into words what you're through. Um, and I'm guessing, Rachel, you may have, you came to that point yourself at some point in the Haribo. So, so yeah. Later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's the difficult thing. If you're feeling isolated and there is that sense of the taboo of talking about it in the, even in the first place, but how do you get to the point of actually even knowing that you do need help? I think from, you know, I think from what we touched on, there is no right or wrong answer and I don't think there is an easy way of that happening. I think part of it though is actually simply recognising the impact that miscarriage has on mental health at that moment, a few weeks afterwards, but in the long term as well. And if, you know, if someone was to have a future pregnancy as well, it doesn't go away with a future pregnancy. It doesn't go away with time. Miscarriage is something that impacts someone. It's a life experience that impacts someone for the rest of their life. You don't forget about having miscarriage. You don't forget about your baby. Um, so it's even just recognising that it's something that's emotionally demanding. It's huge that you're going through. There is going to be an emotional reaction for most people. Um, and, you know, like I think we're all sort of not really sure. As to, you know, we can't say exactly when it's not easy to recognise when things come from a bit of comfort. You know, having a treat, treating yourself, you know, Everything in balance is brilliant, you know. Have your Harry Bear and a bit of wine after you know, brilliant. You know, have your chocolate, have your ice cream. No one would ever suggest, you know, absolutely not having that at all. But it's recognizing when that's tipping over the edge and when that's just taking over your life or it's having a further impact. And there is no right and wrong answer. And it's a very delicate subject for a partner or a friend or family to mention because we all just want to make everything okay. We want to look on the bright side. We're all quite, you know, British. A lot of us and stiff up a lip and say it's all going to be okay. We want to, you know, put a silver lining on things. And actually just saying, actually, this is really rubbish. Um, but I'm here to look after you and I am worried about you. And it might be difficult reaction to take, but if it comes from a good place from somebody, then, you know, hopefully in the long run, then that's going to help that person. But it is not easy at all. Um, and I think that's where the difficulty lies. It is so sensitive and, and delicate. The conversation we've just had, it was talking about people that don't eat um, when they're in a place of trauma, stress or grief. And what, if you are a partner and, and or you're a family member and you want to help, what foods can you give somebody or, or encourage somebody to eat to just even if it's just to keep energy levels up? 
often people find drinks and fluids easier so to sort of sit through if they're not feeling very hungry so things like smoothies or milkshakes so there's lots of um dairy calcium energy from there um again as we were saying the sort of i think anything that looks small from all um like the crumpets the carbs that give you energy as well um anything that's convenient and easy to make and is it and, and having those things like anything that's in the freezer that's easy to prepare that or you know in the fridge that doesn't take any preparation is really really helpful so normally I find like milkshakes and smoothies are a good thing to get because you can put so much in them can't you, you can put veg and fruit and dairy and everything in them um and just sort of sit them through the day to keep because it's good as we were saying earlier to maintain something to maintain some regularity of having something because it's very easy if you've lost your appetite if you don't try to have something small through the through the day to lose it completely so at least maintaining some intake is, is quite helpful and when and if you're on a diet before and back of your mind you're thinking right i just want to be pregnant tomorrow how do you get from a pregnancy diet to a miscarriage diet to a trying again diet so that's going to happen for everyone at a different sort of pace isn't it they're going to transition differently and um sort of Anita's maybe talking more about kind of very early weeks or however long it goes on for for you um if you maybe yeah I'm not feeling like eating particularly because of how your body's feeling and how you're feeling mentally um obviously if you are feeling like eating a great support that friends and family could do bring around cooked meals and things like that that and portions for the freezer like an eater was saying so you've got something really quick and easy that you can pull out um and obviously those meals could be balanced in terms of kind of key nutrients that you know are good for for conception and yeah pregnancy um and so yeah as soon as you feel ready um then just focusing on balanced meals so you know, the typical kind of um, guide is a quarter of a plate of carbohydrate, a quarter of a plate of some protein and half a plate of veg. And so, you know, that's not a high quantity of carbohydrate and that's a lot of, of veg and, and healthy proteins in your diet. So you're going to be getting a variety of, of what you need and that's not going to be, that wouldn't promote weight gain. But it's not something that has to happen overnight. So, you know, eating well is one part of, of improving your chances of conceiving and having a healthy pregnancy, but it's not the only thing. So if you can just make a small change to your diet, you're thinking, okay, I want it to happen now. So you think, okay, so today I'm going to, yes, stop drinking alcohol maybe. And then, the, and then a few days later, you build on that by like, okay, I've got to get rid of some of the Haribo that I've been eating and try and replace that with a piece of fruit or something and you kind of start just getting that balance back in you're not going to go from feeling awful and either not having an appetite or wanting to just eat sugary foods to suddenly being able to eat a balanced diet in in one day unless you're very very driven um so just a gradual thing so I'd say just be kind to yourself and not expect and not beat yourself up and think, oh, well, if I don't make these changes, I'm not going to get pregnant again. I think it's yeah. also about making it sustainable, isn't it? So you don't want to suddenly go on a crash diet mm-hmm. conception. And then kind of when it comes to pregnancy, either you're kind of going the other way or, you know, it, it's a real struggle. 
um, you know, like you were just saying, it is about balance. And there's so many misdiets out there and so many people on social media and internet who have varying degrees of, of qualifications or no qualifications. And actually, the NHS information doesn't change. Um, mm. And, it, you know, it, as long as you're following that, it's a balance. And with treats, fine, you know, if no one's perfect. Um, but it's known and something to, to work towards because you're not only thinking about conception, but actually the whole pregnancy as well, which if you've had a miscarriage can feel really quite overwhelming to think of a whole pregnancy. Um, mm. But it's building the foundations of that sustainable healthier lifestyle rather than crashing for a short term and really and there's so much sort of guilt and shame related to all of this isn't there that that can drive eating behavior so sometimes you know our whole fertility journey and the whole journey through this can drive sort of perfectionist behavior so very much like all or nothing behaviors and actually i think we've all sort of said that you know it, it's sort of being kind to yourself it's saying what's good enough it's not always needing to be perfect either and you're not going to you know there's marginal gains of small changes that you can make and building on those changes and seeing where they where they lead the general diet for health whether you know um, for everybody would be a mediterranean diet and luckily that's a brilliant diet for fertility it's a brilliant diet through pregnancy so you know oily fish extra virgin olive oil um a whole grain so when you're talking about the carbohydrates slowly if you were having more refined carbohydrates or like white carbohydrates, you could move on to those, but they could be small changes that slight switches over time, um, rather than needing to do everything. You'd still have a really good basis to be working on to, to move, you know, slowly to, to where you'd want to go to, but there might not be a huge rush to have to do that. Um, and it's thinking what's feasible with, with how you're feeling and, um, what's going on around you at the, at the time. I think the guilt and shame is, is really interesting because I think it just, from what my brain was telling me, I, I I didn't like myself at all. So there's no way I wanted to help myself or be kind because I didn't like my belly. I didn't like my body and I just none of it. I was like, I just wanted to be somebody else. So I think that to have to have an idea that it's it's connected is really interesting from from my point of view. That because you you eat because it's dinner time or you know because it's there or whatever. It's not something that that I'd have thought would be part of the guilt and the shame but i can see the how it can be it's 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 strange for my brain to not say rachel go and see what food you need no one finds it easy to eat a healthy diet and to look after themselves in in general if their mental health is not good so if you're still really struggling then you're not in a position to make those changes usually they're not going to happen until you've got the support in place and you've dealt with the miscarriage. Um, because, yeah, if you don't deal with it, it's going to have repercussions for the future. Kind of what Kate was saying, you know, it's not something that ever goes away. You can't feel guilty, for example, that if you've already been through it and you didn't eat well afterwards, you can't feel guilty about that because you weren't in a position. It's only in hindsight that you're like, oh, Oh yeah, I know that a Mediterranean diet's good now. So why is it that the Mediterranean diet's a, a good diet for fertility? Lots of properties. Um, so the, the omega-3s are really good for egg health and sperm health, um, reducing inflammation. 
Um, lots of different coloured fruit and vegetables, lots of antioxidants. So they reduce, um, again, DNA damage, oxidation and oxidative damage as well to the cells. Um, you've, you've got lots of um, healthy uh, fats from avocado, the monounsaturated fats. So all of it, when they've looked at time and time again in research, um, and um, fish as well, and lean meat, lots of extra virgin olive oil. Time and time again, they've seen improved um, fertility rates, improved outcomes, and with pregnancy as well and live birth. So there's, there's, and it's generally a diet that we'd recommend for everybody anyway. Um, so yeah, there's just lots of evidence that it improves outcomes from improving sperm and egg health. You don't want it to be a regime or something you dislike. You want to work around the foods and have something that you're enjoying and that you're. You're eating together, you're eating with other people, you're not having something separate that you're restricting yourself. You don't, the restriction part of eating then can cause, um, you know, um, binges and things like this as well, or it can cause lower mood because you're not enjoying yourself. And food, food, we get so much more than, you get nourishment from food, but we also get so much from it, you know, socially as well. Um, but we want to, you know, we want to encourage that. That's part of the Mediterranean diet. I mean, they found that it helps with fertility, but in general, people that eat a Mediterranean diet eat, they have a very social, they have good social networks and go social support and eat. They share family meals and food is more than just, yeah, I've got to eat because it's seven o'clock at night, <laughs> but it's better eat some food. So yeah, the whole social side is, is massive when it comes to the benefits. Of the med, you know, why they find the Mediterranean diet beneficial in you know, when they're studying those populations, it's not just because of the diet they have, it's because of the social support they have. So it's kind of harps back, you know, it's all intertwined in terms of, yeah, protecting, you know, looking after your mental health as well as, yeah, eating well. You know, this is a part of my healing from my miscarriages where I feel I didn't stand a chance. I'm not an expert in pregnancy, I'm not a dietitian, nor a personal trainer. And so I did what I thought was right and I did the best I could. Obviously, I now know no amount of food or drink can fill an empty womb. I know that's impossible. That said, when my body felt empty, I fed it. And I've got to be honest with you, I was researching all this sometimes in tears, thinking how hopeless it all felt. Thinking Haribo and wine was the answer to my grief. It's a painful memory to relive. It's such a lonely feeling to believe there's no hope and to feel emptiness inside. Through my tears and frustration, I figured there's something I can do to maybe help, and my answer is a healthy eating plan. I thought, in that moment, when I'm in a place of trauma and grief and too tired to figure out why I crave rubbish food, wine and bucket loads of sweets, and when Lee and I are too lost to care whether I'm eating vegetables, in that moment, I need something that encourages me to help my body heal. I need something I can trust and something that will help me. I think now, if I'd have had something like that at the start of any of my miscarriages and even one of those meals made it on my plate after a loss, I know that's a habit that could have stayed with me and it would have been miles better than anything I was doing without. And so I asked Anita Beckworth, Ruth Harvey and Kate Marsh to work with me to put together a food plan for people who are having a miscarriage or who have done so recently or who are thinking of trying again. It has information on food groups, facts and expectations that will help you put back the much needed nutrition and vitamins to help you heal and to help with low feelings. There's also a section for partners. I know this is something I would have wanted before I went down my unhealthy road. My hope is that this will help a little 
to stop others feeling how I did in those first few days, weeks or months. It's called Eat Well, Nutrition Guide to Support Recovery from Pregnancy and Baby Loss. You can view and download a PDF of it for free on the website tryingagainpodcast.com. This episode was recorded by me in my spare room duvet den. The music is Small Bump by Ed Sheeran. Thank you to Anita Beckwith from the Dietetic Association, Ruth Harvey from Pete and Pod Nutrition, and Kate Marsh, midwifery manager at Tommy's. If you're going through it right now, please know you're not alone. There's links to help available and a contact form on the website tryingagainpodcast.com. You can stay in touch via social media at tryingagainpod. And if you'd liked this episode, please share it and leave a review on your podcast app because it helps others find it. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You